Parenting. I'm Tara. And I'm Tyler. And this is week three. So I have been procrastinating doing this episode because it is one of my least favorite times of life that we're going to talk about today. Um, and that was the journey to become pa- parents because it wasn't easy. Um, what about for you? Was this one of your... This is one of the hardest ones uh, for me as well, I think. Marriage was fun to talk about. Well, and even before that, dating. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this this one, this one's hard. Yeah, yeah. I thought we'd start off with a little bit about why we wanted to be parents in the first place. And there was a great article that I found by uh, from Where's Your Dog dot com, uh, and this author is blind and i'm sorry oh author but we didn't catch your name um and so this is called i need you to need me um there's a little story that she tells at the beginning that i thought i'd read she says while on a camping trip one summer my cousin came over to my chair plopped her infant son into my lap handed me some grapes to feed him, and headed off to do something or other with her hands. I sat frozen for a moment, taking this in. For the first time ever, someone automatically assumed I'd be able to look after their child while they were busy. I felt so normal and useful and human. Never had I been allowed to cuddle a child without some concerned sighted person hovering anxiously at my elbow, offering to take them back after half a minute. Are you okay? Are you sure you can do this? Yeah. Never had anyone trusted me to babysit. Never had anyone asked me to do so much as change a diaper. Can I pause there and just interject yeah. something? I never have to uh, know what that's like to change a diaper. I know. Very you know what? That's rude. one of the rare advantages <laughs> of having a, a pretty severe mobility impairment. So Jerk! <laughs> my hat is off to you. Oh, if thanks. only I could take my hat off. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> okay. Here... Here I was, at long last, snuggling a baby like I was a normal person or something. So, um, that story really resonated with me. Um, I have had people in my life that have asked me 
to babysit, that have asked us to babysit. Uh, and those people are few and far between. And it gets the assumption of incompetence <laughs> that you have to deal with as disabled people gets really draining. Yeah. I was talking to a, a blind friend of mine and um, we we're talking about the phenomenon that blind parents experience, um, which is asking if your child takes care of you. And, and we, had, we had that happen just right before the pandemic, actually. We were at a dinner and we were asked, oh, do your kids take care of you? And then they were like, oh, well, they're, they're four, so maybe not yet. Right. <laughs> and so I asked my friend, I said, what do you do when that happens? And she said, I just laugh at them. I was like, I was like well, okay, that's one alternative. But I tend to feel hurt and want to run away and hide. <laughs> so. Yeah, it makes you wonder, you know. For someone who's fully able-bodied, would, would they be asked the question, does your four-year-old take care of you? And if they did, the, they, they'd laugh. They'd say, well, no. Yeah. Four. They'd like... They don't have the, the, the wherewithal to take care of me. They can't even meet their own needs. Yeah, I mean, they, they would question your sanity. But anyway... So, um, I felt like I wanted to start with that article because I think, I think one of my biggest reasons for wanting to be a parent was just wanting kids to interact with and be a part of their life and have them be a part of my life. Mm. Yeah. We went to see a, a couple of um some friends we knew who had just had a baby and they were having an argument about whether to who should change the this newborn baby's diaper and I take my courage in both <laughs> both my hands and I'm like I'll do it and there's just this awkward pause and then this long list of oh we'll uh, get it uh, 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 we you know the the poop is really Slimy when they're newborn. We're we're fine, and I remember just the waves of, of, rejection and mm-hmm. and pain. And I think. I I think that was just one of my biggest reasons for wanting, wanting our own, in own kids was. Was it was a, um. It was a way to have children in my life i i don't does this make sense oh yeah it does <laughs> it does so i want to ask a question mm-hmm. i wonder why those you know those friends even brought up the the tarry poop i, I wonder if they had an assumption well you wouldn't touch the poop Oh, you touch poop. So, <laughs> how would you even change this diaper or so, wipe this bum? So, my first experience changing a diaper was my sister asked me to watch her son 
And I'm like, okay, yeah. So I'm watching her son and her daughter. And um, I get to her house. She, she, picked, she picked me up and brought me over, I think. And then she's like, okay, I got to go. And her, her, her son is like, oh, he is stinky. I'm like, but, but could you show me how to, how to do this? She's like, you got hands, use all the wipes you need. I'm going to be late. Bye. <laughs> and that was my, <laughs> that was my experience. My first experience changing a diaper. And, um. Nothing like being thrown into the lion's <laughs> <I know. laughs> And. You know, he he got clean, and there's a whole there's a whole method of doing this non visually, but I kind of wanted to start with that question for both of us um, because I think I think people do maybe have wondered like why why do you want kids when they're when we've already got so many challenges yeah and kids are a lot of work. <laughs> So we decided we wanted kids and we probably should get this other question out of the way, which is people with disabilities have sex. <gasps> I know. Shocking. Okay, what? I know. Isn't it? And, and we have sex. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. I'm leaving that in. And we, we, we decided um, that we would we that have was, sex to have children. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. You're so, um, I'm trying to think how to how to start this. I was late on my period. I'm sorry, everybody. This is probably more information than anyone wants to hear. But I was late, and I was like, "This is." scary and awesome at the same time because I was working full-time you were working part-time and I was helping you get through your master's degree mm-hmm. and I was late and I was so excited and then Aunt Flo shows up in town and I was so sad <laughs> and then the bishop of our our ward so the bishop is a leader in a a, a latter-day saint or the, the leader of our con our congregation. congregation we just sat and had a talk with him and do you remember anything about what he said as i recall he said that that, that we would eventually have children or he thought we would, or he said some. He said something. Thought we. He said something parents. about that. Yeah, maybe it was he thought we'd be good parents or something. I don't know. He said something that that made us decide that we were just gonna go for it. We were gonna have the faith and start trying. So we tried yeah. for a year, and we tried for a year, and we tried for a year, and nothing happened. So then they say after you've been trying for a year. Go go see go see a doctor. So we go and see a doctor, and they automatically assumed that it was you. Yes. You know because sitting all day and sperm tend to not 
get along very well. So, trying to figure out, we're just at the beginning of this journey, and then I am, I am late, um, and there is just probably nothing more comic relieving than watching a blind person and their physically disabled spouse try and figure out between the two of them how to take a pregnancy test because you pee in the cup. But if you hold, I remember that. If you That's hold the right. stick too far in the cup, you're not going to get the right result. And if you don't hold it the right way, anyway. But I think didn't we <laughs> didn't we end up kind of both holding it together? Yeah, I think so because we were afraid if it if it hit the bottom of the cup, it would give us the wrong result. Oh my gosh! Yep. Oh. Oh wow! I I forgot about that. Yes. So, oh, yeah, we we get the bl- yes or no or blue lines or whatever you sighted people see when there's a positive result, and we are pregnant, and I was just over the moon, and I think you were panicking. I was panicking because <laughs> we were in this little tiny apartment, and I was. I was only working part-time. Yeah. And you were be, your employment your work was on a hiring freeze. So you were right. in a position that that should be full-time but it was a hiring freeze. Cuz this was right around the the great recession. Yeah, this was right around the great recession. Yeah. So, um about Three weeks later, I was at a board meeting of blind people, and I went to use the bathroom. Well, I guess we should go back. I felt, I just felt off. I didn't know how to describe it. I just felt like something wasn't going right. Mm. And I had gone to the doctor, and they'd said, there's just, there's nothing we can do right now. You just have to go. You just have to wait until we can get more information from an ultrasound because right now there's nothing. It's too small to see anything. And we were at that, I was at that board meeting and I went to use the restroom and I looked down and I had more vision then than I do now and I saw that I started bleeding. And I, um, I called my mom, who who'd lost four kids. <laughs> this is why I didn't want to record this episode. Er, um, she had. Three, one early miscarriage and then three late or two late term ones. One of them was a baby that was as premature as I was. And then she lost my twin. And I called her and I said, I'm bleeding. And she said, what? And I like the what of you. I don't like, please tell me I'm hearing wrong kind of thing. And I said, I'm bleeding. And she came over. And 
And um, it took... It took a couple of... It took like a day uh, for what had... you know, what had started to form to pass. And you had gone to work and I was by myself and I was in so much pain and I wouldn't take any pain medication because I just didn't want it to happen and I thought thought that maybe something would... I just thought maybe if I took pain medication, it would make it worse. And then I, I, what, you know, had, was going to form into the baby. So it was this kind of the starting tissue. We, we develop like birds. (laughs) We have like, (laughs) we're like eggs. Like, you know, you have like a little inner outer sac and then like an inner sac, I guess. And then the baby actually forms inside that. Um, and that, that was what had started to form and that was what came out of me and it hurt so much and i remember um i remember we came down and we she drove me down to BYU to to your work and we got picked you up mm. oh. and and then I had just, I'd bled so heavily that I just bled through all my clothes. And she, oh, we, we had, we had a, we didn't have a washer and dryer. We were like the mooches that like took our laundry everywhere we went. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Family dinner. Oh, you have a washer and dryer. We'd be happy to come. And we have a third guest we're bringing. Call our laundry. (laughs) So... She took my clothes. Don't worry, they won't eat, though. <laughs> they won't eat, though. Exactly. So she took my clothes. I was, like, curled up in a ball on the bathroom floor and just crying and crying and crying. And um, the apartment where we were was, like, painfully accessible. So for you to get in the bathroom door, to get into the bathroom, we had to transfer you into this little tiny aisle chair yep and um and then we had you had to like we had to wheel you into the bathroom so you can't get anywhere near me to comfort me yeah so you're just you're just sitting there watching me what was that like for you it was awful (laughs) because i mean there was nothing i could do um Nothing I could do to even make the situation bearable. Um, Yeah. I remember the days after. um, So there's this, this great scene in Tom Sawyer where Tom Sawyer wakes up. And he wakes up to the reality that he has to go to school. And he doesn't want to. And so, like, he's scanning his body for any ache or pain uh-huh. he can use to get out of going to school. And there are these, you know, when you wake up, you have this moment, like Tom Sawyer, where you, like, come to yourself and realize the reality you're facing. And, you know, you're human and you're on the planet Earth. And and then, some, you know, 
where you live and somewhere there's this sudden reality that there's no baby mm. that this this dream that I've had for so many years and after a year of trying has finally come true is just gone it smacks you in the face yeah so that was the first miscarriage <laughs> um and we had we had three and i remember i remember the first one like people were really kind your mom your mom came over and she's like i'm happy to bring you dinner but what if you come to my house just for a change of scene and that was mm-hmm. really kind of her and i remember having a meltdown um and at a family gathering and so i i i left because i just like nobody needs to see me have a freak out and um uh she came and you know talked about how you know sometimes this happens and and uh and uh hopefully it's okay to share that it's pretty common and she told me that she had a miscarriage too. And um, she, I mean, she was really kind because she like made, she makes this to die for cream huh. cheese salmon that's like <laughs> so good. And she made my favorite dinner and stuff. And I, I actually thinking about it, that meltdown was a f- few weeks afterwards. So mm. the, the grief just like stays with you and stays with you. And then time passed and, um, our our dear friend passed away from cancer <laughs> and <laughs> what a year so then the start of 2011 was all in the same year yeah it was all in the same year jeez so the start of 2011 we are pregnant again and and the same exact experience happens again at the same time yeah, at the same time. Yeah. And then um, we get pregnant a third time in mm. the summer. And at that point, um, I guess I, I should go back, actually. So, so you called me at work and you said... They've increased my hours to 30 hours a week. Hmm. And you were all excited. I'm like, that's cute, honey. You know, nice job. Bye. (laughs) I'm like, it was so supportive of me, right? Uh (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, when they put you in full time, and then you called me like, what was it, like two weeks later or something? Do you remember? It wasn't long after that. And, I don't and, remember. And it, I, it was snowing, and it was around Christmas time. Okay. And my seeing eye dog was taking a poop in the snow, huh. and you called, and you said, I'm full time. And I, I just started crying. Like, I just broke down. Because the employment rate of people with disabilities with a college unemployment rate of people with disabilities with a college degree is uh, uh let's see i remember it in terms of the employment rate 
uh, you know, the latest, I don't remember what it was back then, but the latest numbers I've seen are 28.5% uh, of people with disabilities who have a four-year degree are employed versus uh, about 75% of college grads without disabilities are employed. So it's a huge, huge gap. Yeah. And, like, we... Or rather, disparity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I remember, like, we made it. We made it. We did it. You have a job. And this is so great. Like, uh, the relief and and the joy and the gratitude and the delight. Is that kind of what you felt? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we got pregnant again. And then we lost that baby. And then we got pregnant again. And by that point, we found a a condo that could be, um, if we came in on the building stage, which we did, they could adapt the um, the condo so it was ADA accessible. So you can, you know, sit on the toilet and watch our clothes go through the dryer. <laughs> because we have this ginormous bathroom that will fit your wheelchair. <laughs> yep. And we finally had a washer and dryer. Oh, I will never give it up. So beautiful. <laughs> No more toting our laundry <laughs> around. <laughs> around the valley. Um, well, and even between valleys. So when we were first married, we were living down in Utah County. And yep. Traipsing up to Salt Lake. <laughs> exactly. So, so the, our, our third miscarriage, we had just had a meeting here um, to pick out uh, paints and materials and your mom had come. And I remember they were like, wow, you know so much about how to, what looks good and what would can handle a 500 pound wheelchair rolling <laughs> over it. And your mom's like, I've spent my life <laughs> figuring <laughs> this out. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, we're, we're moving. And um, we get into the van and I had not gone for a blood test. There's some kind of a number that they can test for to see how well your pregnancy is progressing. And I tested at like 3,000 or something like that. And they, when they called me back, they wanted me at 10,000. Mm-hmm. And I was at seven. And so, like, we knew that this was not good. And then I, I miscarried again. <laughs> As I recall, we were so hopeful. Yeah. With that third one, because we made it beyond where we were with the first two. That's right. And seriously, who has three miscarriages in a nine-month period? Me. <laughs> so, um, looking back on the experience for me. There are memories of kindness that I will always, always treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the memories that touches me most 
is people don't know what to say. And they try and say, um, they just try and say something. And in Utah, uh, a lot of what I got was, um, you'll be able to raise them in the next life. You'll have them again. You'll see them again. And I just did not find that comforting. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if I wanted to wait that long, I'd be buying a gold flute, man. I mean, like, huh. no, <laughs> that I is not helping. Now. Yes, I want them now. Um, but my, the director of the center where I was working at the time, he's now retired. He walked into my office, closed the door and said, I am so sorry. I don't know what else to say. I am just so sorry. And I just, I just cried. And he just, he just, he just stayed with me in my grief. And he didn't try and make it better. Because every day for months, he just woke up to the, just this emptiness of what I wanted more than, I wanted to be a mom more than anything in the world. And it would just, like, it wasn't happening. I didn't know why it wasn't happening. I didn't know if there was anything that could be done about it. I didn't know in our situation how easy adoption would be um like I didn't know I felt so lost and I didn't know what to do and just to have somebody just say I'm sorry mm-hmm. and I remember um my dad came and and read story book a book to me and sang he plays the guitar and sings and he just sang songs like just sang and sang and sang mm-hmm. and um I remember you one morning, like we're getting out the door and I'm all of a sudden I hear you crying and I'm like, what's the matter with you? (laughs) And you go, and you go, it really, you just, you said it hurts. It just really hurts. Kate, you want to talk about what it's like from, um, the perspective of, you know, the partner who's not carrying the baby Uh (laughs) because I've always considered it like for so much of the time I thought it just as as, I thought of it as my pain and it was this real moment of realization (laughs) where it just wasn't my pain yeah I remember I remember telling you you know Tara we're in this together Um, this is something we've both been looking forward to and your pain is my pain and we share this journey together it's not just you and I felt a little bit uh, grumpy with you initially Uh, and that it was I mean like like I said earlier there's nothing you can do to take that pain away from, uh, you know, from the situation. And it's, it's hard for the partner as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I just had been so consumed by what I was going through. I mean, so the two things for me that... 
stick out their most is something that your sister and brother-in-law did. It's like one of the kindest things. Yeah. Which is when they found out they were um, pregnant with their child um, that is just a few months older than our oldest. They called and told you. Yeah, they did. And they didn't do a big... And I'm... I I think I was a big... Re- I think I might have been the whole reason. They didn't do a great big family announcement. They they were quiet about it. Yeah. And I think I was... I was the reason. <laughs> and that meant so, so much to me. That they would show that kind of generosity and sensitivity. Yeah. And then... The other thing that happened that there's just no way to tell the story without talking about is uh, Tina, my beloved flute teacher, (laughs) who is just one of, I mean, she's my dream flutist and one of the finest people I've ever known in my life. And we, I had started taking (laughs) lessons from her, um, in a oh hell when was it? It was when did I get Emmy? Uh, two thousand nine. Okay, so I started taking lessons from her the May afterwards because my my other teacher had moved, and she recommended Tina, and I called Tina and I, you know, explained that I'm blind and um, I have a seeing eye dog and and <laughs> <laughs> I was like you know are you can I do a lesson with you and she's like yeah and I'm like is it okay if I bring my seeing eye dog and she's like well she's like it's okay with me but I teach at Damery Music and I don't know you know what the rules are and I said oh well they they don't have a choice I'm giving you a choice and she's like yeah that's fine and I, I found out later that um sorry <laughs> tell on you Tina but she lied <laughs> she didn't like dogs <laughs> uh but Emmy changed her mind because Emmy was wonderful and until we had kids. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have to do an episode on service dogs. Yep. <laughs> That's a whole story. Um, but I remember taking lessons from her. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to one of her YouTube videos. She just plays in a way I'd never heard anybody play. Her, her tone the sound she gets on the flute it's like it's like when it's winter time and you walk out and it's like it's suddenly warm and there's like spring in the air and it's hope and it's beautiful and and the way that she uh i never heard anybody do this before but she talks with her flute Hmm. and I was like I want to play like that that is wow (laughs) I didn't know that this was even possible and uh she gave me a safe place to be because I remember after our my third miscarriage I was in so much I pain like I called the doctor and was like freaking out and so I took some Lortab and what I loved best about the Lortab was it didn't just 
take away the physical pain. It took away the emotional pain. Like, uh, I didn't it, care. It numbed you. Yeah, I just didn't, I was, like, floating on a cloud. This is a great place to be. And I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. Like, to just, I, that's not an option. I can't do that. And Tina gave me a safe place to go. Yep. And <clears throat> because I wanted to be like her. I still want to be like play like her but i'm just used to being depressed and sad and oh god <laughs> inspired after every lesson <laughs> oh <my>. oh. <laughs> um, you've been heard on every episode playing your flute with her well <laughs> she's so great and so are you <laughs> well thank you but She's still my dream flutist, and I'm still inspired and depressed after every lesson. <laughs> but if I'm not dis- inspired and depressed after every lesson, I, it's just not fun. So, anyway, so yeah, I think, um, I, for me, that was one of the biggest silver linings was the, is her and just what what she did because she uh she helped me find a safe a safe place where I could escape mm-hmm. from everything and the flute is still my <laughs> it is still my sanity <laughs> oh yeah so uh when I when I pay each month you know, oftentimes I'll exchange a comment with her on you know something to the effect of Thank you for being my wife's healthy dose of sanity. <laughs> yeah, she told me that. Yeah, she's so great. But um, Because the bottom line is, if mama ain't happy, oh, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> yes. So next week, we'll have a much happier podcast. Um, because next week, we... Get successfully pregnant. <laughs> and it is the coolest. Next week will be way fun to talk about. Um, our email for anybody who would like to send an email is critparenting at gmail.com. And, and that's with two P's. C-R-I-P-P-A-R-E-N-T-I-N-G. At gmail.com. And we're not... Um, therapists or anything but we're if you've had a similar story and just need someone to listen we're happy to hear it because it is as you can probably tell from listening to this podcast it's it's painful like i did not think i was going to get this emotional over something that happened literally 10 years ago (laughs) so yeah but well good times are ahead yes they are (laughs) all right have a good week everyone Bye, everybody. Thank you. This podcast is gratefully dedicated to the people of the disability civil rights movement. Every time we use public transportation, go to work, go to a school event with our children, we are living in the world you made possible. Thank you.
if you're still listening after our theme song, cute kid moment for the week as an Easter egg because there's just no way to record all the the cute moments. I so wish I could. So here's mine. Or what do you want to share yours? Oh, no, no. go ahead. Okay. Ladies first. All right, people are probably so sick of listening to me talk. <laughs> okay, but if you're still with us, my mom makes a dessert called cream cheese brownies, and huh. these are legendary in my family. She has literally mailed them around the world. My brother was in the army, um, and he was stationed in Iraq, and she would mail, make them, freeze them, and mail them to him. And there was only one time that they went bad, and every other time that he received them, they they were yummy and edible. She stayed home. Uh, she worked, um, but she stayed home every first day of school. It was her tradition, and we came home every first day of school to cream cheese brownies, and she actually mm-hmm. did that with um, Marie when Marie started kindergarten. That's right. <laughs> and so when our oldest, when Marie was born, I was like, I want cream cheese brownies. That is what I want. So she brings them to the hospital. Oh, and yeah. we'll have to see if she'll share the recipe. Um, and to die for, like, our our labor with was anyway I wanted that brownie I hadn't eaten in a long time and that was the first thing I ate after like a day and a half it was glorious so we bring them home the pan is almost over and my mom has has come over for a teeny tiny yes row yeah well I think it was just like a half a brownie and I was saving that thing I mean they're like a week old but I do not care so my mom has come over to help out, and she thinks she is being totally helpful, and she throws away that last half a brownie, and I freaked. <laughs> I was like, how could you do that? Don't you know how yummy those are? I was so mad. So uh, the, uh, the throwing away continues. She was over having dinner with us. She brings, she's, she brings dinner over once a week and um every once in a while i dust off my cooking ambitions and actually make something about the majority of the time it's her bless her heart and so our youngest who is very passionate she she gets up from the table and wanders off and so my mom thinks that she's done and my mom's really kind she she cleans up and does all that to give me a break and so she's putting things away and and she takes our youngest plate and you know washes it and she's done and our youngest comes back and she is just distraught that her down mode last bite of whatever has been thrown away by efficient grandma jane i guess history is now repeating itself because the i think was it I think it was just yesterday. I'm getting the kids to clean up, but I'm helping them clean up the living room. And and in our little, on our dining table, there's a plate with about four pieces of life cereal on it. And so I go and <laughs> wash it down the drain. And our youngest comes up, she goes, Mom, you threw away my life cereal. You're just like Grandma Jane. And she's 
burst into tears and she stomps Stormed off. out of the room. Didn't she go into her bedroom and close the door? Yeah, probably a slam. Yeah. She's a very passionate person. And I, I normally try to be understanding and empathetic and let's talk about it. And it was a bad parenting moment because I just stood there at the kitchen sink and <laughs> I just laughed and laughed and laughed. I couldn't help it. Bad, bad mom moment, but there you go. The worst. I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you have one you want to share or should we end it here? Um, I think, I think we're good for now. All right. We'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>